What if I told you that being in the right place at the right time was not a circumstance of luck? What if I told you it's a skill that you could learn and leverage to achieve your goals and dreams? This is the Right Place Right Now podcast with Travis Fields and Brandon Johnson. Today's guest found her calling at the age of nine. You heard that right, nine years old. Tony Bridinger found her taste for speed when her father took her and twin sister Annie to Sonoma Raceway to race go-karts. From that moment on, Tony hasn't looked back. Today, she's the all-time winningest female in United States Auto Club history with 19 victories, a record that's helped her get noticed and make moves into NASCAR's Arca Menard series. When asked about being the all-time winningest female, Tony recognizes that it's a great accomplishment, but it's not the goal. The real goal? to become the all-time winningest driver ever, and she's well on her way. In February of this year, Tony made history as NASCAR's first Arab-American female driver when she raced the Arkham Menard Series at Daytona International Speedway, finishing in 18th place. If that's not enough for you, she also dabbles in modeling, which is something else she determined she was going to do as a kid when in her diary she wrote not only that she was going to be a model, but what agency she wanted to work for. Fast forward 10 years, she's a model working for that exact agency. How crazy is that? Though all of this is great, for me the most impressive thing about Tony is her impact on the sport. She's single-handedly making racing accessible to a new demographic all over the world. Her influence can be seen in young girls that are inspired and motivated to follow in the superstar's footsteps. Breaking barriers, blazing trails, and bringing NASCAR into a new generation, this is Tony Bridinger. Tony, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a thrill. So we got connected to you. You are doing fantastic things coming up through the ranks of stock car racing. Tell us a little bit about where you are at in the big picture of stock car racing and maybe some of the, the things you're working towards right now. Yeah, so NASCAR has a ladder system. Um, I'm currently working up through that ladder system to kind of put it in a short way. Um, the NASCAR Cup Series is the top level. Right under that is NASCAR's Xfinity Series. Under that is the Truck Series. And under that is Arca Series, is which what I'm competing in right now. Um, so yeah, NASCAR has a ladder system. I'm currently kind of working my way up through it. So it's Arca, Truck, Xfinity and then the NASCAR series yeah. in order. Yes. Okay. Correct. And from what I understand, you're, you're working to get into the truck series as well, right? Do you have some races coming up for that? Um, yeah. So we were thinking about doing some truck races this year. Um, things didn't really go as planned necessarily. Um, but I'm happy with what the schedule we have kind of right now is and that's basically kind of finishing out the year in the ARCA series. I have a few more races um, and then doing a full season of ARCA would be the goal for next year. And then making my truck debut, I just really feel like I want to kind of master everything a little bit more before I kind of make that leap into the truck series, just because everything that I'm learning right now, I feel like is amplified and just as more important once you make it to kind of like that next level. Um, so yeah, hopefully next year, that's kind of the goal is to do some truck racing. How do you move from one level to the next level? Is it, I know it's somewhat point-based, but I'm not really familiar with the structure. Yeah. So I, I would say there's kind of like three things that you need to kind of make it up to the next level. Um, number one is probably, um, finances. You need definitely a good, um, good sponsorship or uh, financial aspect has to be pretty good to make the next step. Um, the next one is probably, you know, like experience and good results. So that's definitely important. You can't just you know, if you, even if you are bringing the money, no team is just going to be like, oh yeah, let me take you. Cause you have a lot of money. You need to definitely, um, show that you belong and that you're worthy of that spot on the team. Um, and the last one is definitely a little bit of luck. A little bit of luck. Yeah. <laughs> That's it with everything. We always talk about to be a champion, you got to be lucky and good. Got to yep. pan out for you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so below Arca, because th this is kind of, you're just breaking into this, right. And you haven't run a, a full season yet. Mm -hmm. Are there tiers below it or how do you even get onto a team to start to do this? Cause what I understand there's just a, not just the sponsorships, but team owners have to take to you as well. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? 
Yeah. So I started racing in go-karts and I've been at this for like 12 years. Um, so it's been a 12 year process of me starting in go-karts, um, racing out on the West coast at local racetracks, um, with my dad as my crew chief and mechanic, and then making that step up into, um, they call it grassroots racing, like late models and all that kind of stuff. Um, which is considered stock cars, but it's at kind of like the lower levels at local racetracks. Um, and then starting to drive for teams there. And then when I was 18, I was like, okay, I'm done with high school. I don't want to go to college. I want to try to pursue this crazy dream that I have. Um, so I took that step to move out to North Carolina. And I think the biggest thing um, that helped my career was moving out here and making those connections and racing out here in front of, you know, the big guys that kind of like call the shots and in front of these teams. Um, so for me, I think just putting myself out there is what really helped um, kind of get noticed by teams and kind of earn some respect out here. Do you, by putting yourself out there, do you just mean like getting out to races, winning races, showing what you can do? Yeah. Yeah. Winning races out here. And even when I came out here, I emailed some people and I was like, Hey, like, you know, I'm trying to make it to the cup series and it sounds kind of cringy now, but I made some really great connections just kept by reaching out to people and introducing myself um, but yeah, it's like a little, I mean, that's, that's part it of it is, you know, you have to take some action and where do you start when you have no connections? Yeah. You don't know anyone you, you know, like I I'm sitting here from the outside. Like, how do you, I was thinking the same thing. How do you even start racing? It's not like you can join your high school's race yeah. car team, you right. know? So it's something you really have yeah. to, to find those connections and really make that happen. It's not something that's just going to happen by chance. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. It took a little bit of work, a lot of research when I was a kid I came to my dad with like a stack of papers and it was like what I needed to do to make it to the NASCAR Cup series and he said like at that point when he saw that I put in that much research and like wrote this whole essay and came with like this powerpoint to him he's like okay this girl's like gonna take it seriously and actually wants to put in some work to do it so um yeah it definitely takes you know research and some hustling on your part what was that thing for you that you latched on to because your story looking into it, you got started because, and you could tell the story, your dad took you to a cart track or something, right? It was your first time ever being racing. What is, what was that experience? Yeah. So my dad took me and my twin sister, Annie to go-kart track just for fun. Um, it was just kind of, we were at that age, we were kind of trying everything, soccer, piano, just you name it. We tried everything and go-karts was one of those things. And we both just immediately loved and we're like, Hey, we want to do it. Um, and I think for me, just being in a go-kart for my first time, I feel like I got my first sense of freedom and independence. I feel like as a kid, you're always told what to do. And, you know, you have coaches in your ear when you're playing on other sports and, you know, you have teachers at school telling you what to do. So I feel like in a go-kart, that was like my first time where I was just like on the track by myself. I make, I call the shots. I decide what I'm going to do next. And I feel like that kind of sense of freedom is what kind of got me interested at first. It's like, oh, no one can tell me what to do. Like, the engine's loud. If they were yelling at me, I can't even hear them. Um, and I just thought that was really fun. Just kind of like the sense of freedom and independence. I mean, like every kid loves that. Um, and then, you know, once I started racing, I just got hooked on it. I got competitive and I was like, yeah, I want to, I want to take this to the next level and make it to the top. Were you always competitive like that in other things, or did it really take that passion to spark for you to, to care enough about it, to be competitive in it? Um, I would say I'm pretty competitive. Um, definitely, you know, with my twin sister growing up, we always kind of race each other no matter what. Even before we got into racing, we always kind of challenge each other just throughout the day, like, okay, who's going to get to this destination first or whatever it was, we always kind of had a bit of a competition going on. Um, so I think between me and my sister racing each other, I think the fact that we had a little bit of a rivalry on the track is kind of what kept it fun for us in the beginning. Yeah, I have a 10 year old daughter and we're trying a ton of new things right now with her. Uh, and nothing's clicked yet. So I'm always curious, was it the competitive nature and the drive first, or was it that thing that happened? And it's like, I got to do more of this. So that's, that's interesting. You kind of had that competitive uh, spirit always with your, with your sister. I'm sure that helps a ton. Yeah. <laughs> so who was born first? You or your sister? Uh, my sister was. Yeah. So oh she, yeah. So now you have this need to one. beat her because she yeah. beat you first out of the womb and you're like, Nope, it's my turn now. Exactly. She was always just like pushing me out of the way when we were like racing or my mom's like, Oh, dinner's ready. She'd like push me away and like try to get in front of me. She was always like super aggressive. So I was like, okay, now's my time. Now's my time to shine. She's always a little bit stronger. I'm like, and go for it. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> so does she still race now? Do you still have that competitiveness in your, in your life to build off of, or are you just at a different level? She's let it go. What does that relationship look like? So basically when it came down to us choosing college or racing, um, she always knew that she wanted to go to college. 
um, and get like a real job. And I was like, now I'm going to try to be a race car driver. And I asked her, I was like, you know, like, why don't you want to try to do this? You've raced all your life. You have all this experience in racing. Like, why wouldn't you just want to pursue it? To me, that was just like the only answer is like, continue. Um, she's like, just not realistic. And she wanted to do, um, she's really smart. So I feel like she's wanted to go to college and she's always been very studious and really great in school. Um, so I feel like for her, that was like the perfect path. And then for me, I was like, I'm going to go try to be a NASCAR driver. Yeah. Um, but she actually did race, um, a couple weeks back just for fun. My dad still has some race cars. Um, so she'll hop in every so often. Um, but definitely, you know, her focus is on her career at this point. Um, but she does racing a little bit for fun. We'll still go to the go-kart track together and race each other (laughs) hard and all that. (laughs) Back to the roots. I love it. It's awesome. So it sounds like your, your dad specifically has been super supportive since day one. Have you had a lot of support along the way, or have you seen a lot more, I don't want to say negativity, but just doubters. What's the, what's kind of been the general feedback that you get when you say, I'm going to, I'm going to pursue racing. Um, I would say for the most part, it's doubters, especially when you say like, especially at a young age, like, oh, I'm going to be a NASCAR driver. It's like less than 1% of, you know, kids in go-karts are going to make it to that level. Um, So I definitely think, you know, it kind of sounds like a big dream. And a lot of kids, you know, that I race against in go-karts, I look at them now and it's like, they're not even racing. So definitely like a small percentage, you know, make it through the ranks and continue making it through the ranks. And obviously when you're a kid versus now, like a lot of things in life change or interests change. Um, you have to put in like a lot of work and dedication and time into this. I know it's not for everybody, but definitely feel like for the most part, you know, my parents have been really supportive, but everyone else I wouldn't say has been crazy supportive, not necessarily negative, but not like, oh yeah, like you're definitely going to make it to the cup series. It's like, okay, like, sure. (laughs) How do you stay focused then? Because I know it's hard to, to deflect that. Right. And especially with your social media presence, there has to be people beating you up. How do you stay centered and focused on your goal with all of that noise? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is surrounding yourself with positive people that have good energy and will lift you up if you are kind of feeling down. Um, So for me, just having like a small group of people that are just supportive and positive and just kind of keep me, you know, focused and in line throughout the day. Um, But also like social media, I tend to not read too many comments anymore, just because I know there's always going to be those negative ones. And, you know, especially going into a race, I stay off of social media just because I know, you know, you you might just read one comment that kind of throws you off. And I feel like racing, you know, mental state and like confidence is like a really big thing in how you'll perform. So for me, just kind of staying away from social media and trying to avoid like any comments, like obviously they're there, but I feel like avoiding them is kind of the easy way out and kind of works for me. That's good mental health strategy for anybody, <laughs> whether you're a racer or not, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to go back to something you just said a minute ago, less than 1% of kids who race go-karts at nine years old make it. What do you think is the difference between those the, the 99% and the 1% that do? What's the difference? Um, at least for me, I refuse to not make it. I'm like, there's no way I'm not going to. And I always had that mindset. I was like, I'm going to work through it no matter what. And I feel like you just have to, you have to really, really want it. And just know in your mind that no matter what comes in the way, no matter what obstacles, that you're still going to pursue that. Um, so for me, I just like refuse to say um, no to making it to the top. And I think also just not having a plan B, you have to show no mercy and not even have a plan B and just go all in. So I think for me, that was kind of what kind of helped me excel. So straight after high school, you, you demonstrate that by moving to North Carolina, you don't fit the stereotype of stock car racing. What was that? Give us a little more insight to that experience because you get out there, you're trying to make these connections. People have to be laughing at you, but you have no quit in you. How did you stay motivated to get through just that move and staying out there to find a place to where you can be consistent and start to actually develop your life out there? Yeah, you know, it was definitely hard, especially when I came out here, I didn't know any teams and finding that right team and finding people that weren't just gonna take me to have me or take the money or whatever, and just wanted to actually help me was kind of hard to find. Um, and people that really believed in me, I feel like that was the hardest thing. And I struggled for a couple of years out here when I was racing out here just because I didn't really feel like I was with the right teams that were there to help me and help me as a driver and help develop me. And that really believed in my goals. So I think that was kind of the hardest thing. And it took a couple of years to really figure it out. But yeah, it was definitely a little bit of a struggle out here. But I think the biggest thing was just staying focused and every day, just reminding yourself, you know, what you're doing and why you're doing it, what you're doing it for. 
um, was the biggest thing. How did you clarify that goal in your mind? I mean, it's, I think it's easy to have a vision and, and easy to say, you know, someday I want to be here, but it takes all of these steps along the way to actually get there. Like you can't go from go-kart racing to NASCAR. There have to be some intentional steps uh, in the middle. So what, how did you take that vision and that big dream and break it down into, okay, this is what I have to do next. Then I have to do, you know, what, what was that? What was that like for you? Yeah. I mean, definitely, you know, when you're in go-karts and you're looking at, okay, I want to be a cup series driver. There's like a long, you know, list of things that you have to do before you get to that point. And it is overwhelming. I still feel like right now, even though it's a few steps until I make it to the top, it's still like each step is like a process and it's a long process and it's an uphill battle. So I think, you know, I kind of have a set of goals and at a young age, I had a set of goals. Did I reach those goals right now? No. If I was, uh, when I was 15, I was like, at this age, I want to be in the cup series, obviously that didn't happen, but I think, you know, still setting those goals and goals that kind of like keep you on track and um, just keep you in like the right mindset and keep you motivated are important. Uh, I think goal setting is really important. I write it down. I write down a list of goals every single morning. Um, and I just kind of remind myself, you know, like it's like little goals and big goals. Like, what do I want to achieve today? What do I want to achieve this week? You know, what are my bigger goals long-term? And I think that's just really important. And you do that every day. Mm-hmm. Every morning. Is that, is that an intentional practice that you learned somewhere or just something you started doing at one point? Um, it was something that I learned um, from some friends and, you know, I heard about it before and like manifesting things and just, you know, writing down goals and things that you're grateful for. And, you know, I would do it every so often. And then this year, I feel like I really kind of stuck with it. And I've been doing it every single morning. And um, this has been the best year for me in racing and for my career. So I feel like, I don't know if it's a coincidence or if it's working, but um, I think it's working. I feel like it just helps, um, helps you start your day on like a good foot and like in a good mental um, mindset. That's a great practical practice. I love that. And to see that you've gotten some results from the, you also said there was a gratuity practice to that, right? So goals and gratuity, you combine both of those? Definitely. Cause I feel like sometimes, you know, if you are feeling down, it's easy to take a lot of things for granted, but it's like so much good happens the other day and so many positives. And I feel like it's easy to overlook them. Um, so I think for me, just writing down, like even like little things that I'm grateful for just kind of keeps you grounded. That's awesome. I love that. So one of the things I wanted to ask is you've been on big shows with big guests, Ellen, now us. So you're practically yeah. famous. You're moving up in the world. <laughs> how do you how do you stay grounded? I know you have your gratu- your gratuity, your gratitude practice, your journaling, those things. But as you start to get some some fame around you, some presence in this environment that you're in, you're having success that we see. What keeps you from letting that get in the way of the work that you're doing? Because I feel like it would be easy for someone like you, especially go start a modeling career or promote some other product and make money that way. How do you stay focused on what you're actually doing? Honestly, I feel like I'm just a very focused person, you know, even with being on Ellen and like whatever else I've been on, I feel like that just hasn't changed my goals. And I'll be like, okay, cool. Like that was amazing that I had the opportunity. That was amazing. That was on Ellen and I did this, but I still need to win the race this weekend. Or I still like, that doesn't, you know, if I still have a bad race weekend, I'm like, I don't care about like, I care about all that stuff, but at the same time, I don't in a way I'm like, nothing gets in the way of like my racing goals. Um, so I think I just am automatically just super focused on that. I don't, you know, being like all the press is amazing, but that doesn't change like your results in races. Um, and I know like doing that press isn't going to get me a win. Um, so I know I just have to put in other work to get to where I want to go. So I just feel like you know, keeping in mind what you have to do to achieve your goals. And um, the press is great, but it hasn't viewed, um, hasn't affected my racing career at all. What does it look like to train for racing? Is it just a lot of driving on tracks or do it like, what is a, what does a training regimen look like at your level? Yeah. So I actually really don't get to um, test on tracks before races, um, especially with COVID that's been limited. But even in general, like my first time um, I did a dirt race this weekend, I got 30 minutes of practice before the race. So you really don't get all that much practice. It's just kind of like, okay, like time to go. And um, especially hard since I'm a rookie, it's kind of like playing catch up every weekend. So you definitely have to just kind of go for it and learn pretty fast once you're out there. But 
Um, for training, I have a simulator that I go on. Um, I'll use that a lot to prep for races. Um, that's definitely helpful. It doesn't have the exact feel of being in a race car, but they scan the track. So those tracks are pretty, pretty dang close. So there's a bump in the track, you're gonna feel it in the simulator. Um, so I feel like that's really helpful for just learning the tracks. Um, then also I have a trainer that I go to every day um, and we'll work on a lot of stuff from cardio to strength um, to a lot of like mental stuff and vision stuff with hand-eye coordination. Um, we also do heat training since it does get really hot in those cars. So um, there's like a lot of preparation that goes into races that I feel like people don't really realize just because NASCAR kind of feel like you're looking from the outside. So you don't see how physically demanding it is just because you're watching from the outside. But it's, it's definitely tough in there. <laughs> right. My guess would be you'd have like a soda and some Twizzlers. It's like you're taking a 400 mile drive, just like I would take yeah. a 400 mile drive. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a little different with the G forces and all that. And but yeah, no, it's definitely intense once you're in the race car. I mean, you're inches away from the wall, inches away from your other competitors. You have your team talking to you. You have to respond back to your team. You have to be able to react fast with your heart rate up. And it's really hot in those cars. So um, it's important to have good cardio and be able to just still react fast and precisely with a high heart rate and, you know, as you're feeling fatigued. The cardio routine. I, that, that's something I never would have thought of as a, as part of a NASCAR training regimen. So that's, that's really interesting. What is your visual hand-eye coordination practice looks like? Because you're right. Traveling high speeds, inches, you're literally talking inches away from walls and other individuals. Things happen so fast. How do you even get yourself prepared for that? Are you throwing tennis balls at a wall or? Yeah. So, uh, my trainer will throw tennis balls at me, but I have, um, these type of glasses on and it only allows you to see they're kind of like strobe glasses so it's like flashing and it's like black and you can see but it's like super super fast um it basically forces your mind to have to pick up information quickly and kind of um, predict where it's going to be and you have very like little time to see so it's like that kind of helps with like the coordination and reaction and then we do a bunch of other exercises too my trainer specifically trains race car drivers um so it's a very specific type of training that's so cool. I love this kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So that, that means somewhere out there, there's somebody who said, I want to be a NASCAR driver trainer when I grow up. Like somebody <laughs> yeah. got that specific with their dream. That's awesome yeah. too. <laughs> Literally that was my trainer. Yep. <laughs> so you, you just talked about your dirt track race. Uh, that was in Springfield last week or just a few days ago, right? And yeah. you placed ninth. Just How was ago. it? Um, crazy. So in practice, you know, I didn't have a whole bunch of time to get used to the track. And then, you know, my guys told me they're like, okay, like, um, you need to drive the turns, like drive into the turns like this far. And they're kind of like, I was like, okay, just tell me the points where to get off the throttle and I'll do it. I was like, I swear I'll do it. Just tell me how deep to drive in. So we did that and we qualified really well, um, qualified in front of some good guys, um, some really good dirt drivers, which was cool. And I feel like we kind of, um, showed that you know, we are competitive even on the dirt, even though I don't really actually know what I'm doing on it. Um, so that was cool. And the race was hard just because the track was super dusty. The one thing that kind of caught me back was the visibility. I literally couldn't see and my guys gave me like a Swiffer broom in my car so I can <laughs> wipe the windshield when I was driving because you really, you can't see anything. It was pretty crazy. Um, I was just going down the straightaway full throttle, just like, okay, I can't see what's going on in front of me. It's just like a cloud of <laughs> dust. So it was pretty crazy. <laughs> and you're sweeping off the inside of your windshield because you're not reaching around and cleaning it. Yeah, out. so I'm sweeping off the inside because it got everywhere. Um, and basically when I came in for pit stops, you have tear-offs on the windshield. So the guys would take a tear-off. Um, and I was my job was cleaning the inside of the car, doing all that housekeeping. <laughs> <laughs> That's so crazy. Yeah. So what, when you're on the track, when you're driving, you have a team. You obviously have a pit crew. Do you have like a coach up? in the stand somewhere, like watching what's going on, telling you what to do, where to be. Yeah. So basically I have a spotter and depending on the driver, a driver will want different things from their spotter. For me, I'm like, okay, I'm new at this. I don't really know exactly what I'm doing. Talk a lot. Like if I'm doing something wrong, tell me, I like some coaching. Some drivers don't want their spotter saying anything. It's like, okay, be quiet and let me just drive. Um, but for me, I'm like, I want to soak up as much information as possible. So I'm like, just give me so much information, never stop talking. So for me, my spotter will give me coaching, but also tell me, you know, where other cars are at on the track and um, all that other spotter stuff. Kind of reminds me of like a UFC fight. You hear them coaching in the yeah. corner. It's all real time. That's. Yeah. I was watching a video of you and you were, you're driving, I think stock cars and they're talking about 
you coming up onto another car mm-hmm. and you had this tendency to let off, yeah. right? Let off the gas. And he's like, don't because the air will compress and it'll push you out of the way. And I was just watching you because you seem to be absorbing so much and learning so much. And even at the end of it, you said, this is just your great learning experience is because you have a lot of driving experience is going through these next, obviously dirt's different, but even the stock car stuff, is it really that drastic of a change in how you drive and your own, um, your own preparation and all of that? Yeah, no, it's definitely different. I almost feel like obviously the racing, you know, leading up to this has helped me get to this point, but a lot of it doesn't really transfer over. And I've even had some bad habits just from driving some race cars beforehand. Um, but you know, it's all leads up to certain points. You just have to be really good at adapting and learning these new cars and learning these new tracks. Um, but yeah, they're totally different. I mean, like racing at Daytona, which is what you're talking about is totally different. I've never experienced like aerodynamics come into play like that. I've never done any type of drafting. Um, so the driving style is totally different. And even in these cars that I'm in every single track, the car handles differently and you have to do something different with the car. Um, so even though they're all ovals, they're all very different and your car, um, requires different skills and techniques. Is there a speed difference between rankings as well? Like you're in the, say you go to the truck series, is that different from ARCA? And then you get to the NASCAR cup series. Are they even going faster? Um, so basically with our series and the truck series, we run the same engines. Um, so really the biggest thing with the trucks is that they're a truck and aerodynamically they're very different. Um, but engine wise, they're the same. Um, so we run about the same speed since they have a little bit, um, more going on with aerodynamics, they will go like a little bit faster sometimes. Um, but honestly, not all that much. I know NASCAR has put restrictions on the cup guys. Um, so there's some tracks where I've seen like the ARCA cars go faster than the cup guys, um, just cause they have like a little bit more restriction. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like we're not too far off speed wise. It's just every car handles very different. I mean, if I got in a cup car versus an ARCA car, even though they look the same, it's going to handle totally different. Um, it's all about like aerodynamics and those little details. And that going back to your team that you have around you, how many people are even on your team and do they go, do they travel with you between the different series, like your dirt track team, your truck team, are they the same team or is that all different? Um, so the team that I'm currently on is only competes in the ARCA series. Um, so when I do go up to the truck series, I will race for a different team, but yeah, I have like, I think our pit guys like that work on my car directly. I mean, maybe I would say like eight guys, six, seven, eight guys, something like that. Um, just on my car for race day. Um, but I also have teammates. So my teammates also have guys solely working on their car. Um, so definitely, you know, it's a big group of guys. And then at the shop, um, they're working on the cars every single day. Um, so it's definitely a big operation. There's a lot of people involved, a lot of people kind of behind the scenes. I feel like the drivers kind of get shown the most, but there's a lot of guys working behind the scenes, the pit crew, the engineers, um, the crew chiefs and spotters and all that. Wow. All that goes into this mm-hmm. and you just get to be the face of success. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, one of the things I want to talk to you about is you had a, I think it was a go-kart crash, right? And you said that next time you got in the car, there's a little bit of hesitancy and you just pushed through it. This seems to be a recurring theme. You're just moving to Carolina on a whim. You're just, I'm not going to do college. I'm going to make this work. I'm going to get back in this car and I'm going to push through it. What about you is able to kind of harness that fear? Where do you think that comes from? Yeah, I think you just have to learn to be comfortable with discomfort and just kind of embracing, you know, being not being comfortable and just embracing that and knowing that it's part of the process. Um, but yeah, I think you just have to be kind of stubborn in a way. I feel like I'm a very stubborn person. And um, I know that, you know, pushing myself, yeah, I would probably not be comfortable at the time. Am I having fun in a race car? For the most part, no. I feel like if you're having fun, then you're not pushing yourself and pushing yourself to that limit, to that edge. Um, so when people ask me if it's fun, it's like, no, like I'm pushing myself so much. If it's fun, then you're probably just taking a little Sunday drive not pushing yourself. So I think you just have to be comfortable with that discomfort because it's not usually fun, but you have to kind of embrace it. What about specifically fear? Like what, what's your relationship with fear? And when you, when you, when you feel scared of something, you're going to do it anyway, right? I mean, you doing, going 180 miles an hour around a track, that's gotta be scary the first time. Yeah, definitely. It almost, I almost wouldn't say fear, but definitely kind of like, oh gosh, like you definitely don't want to mess up or anything. I think that's Kind of my biggest thing is, especially with, you know, Talladega, my first time on that track was the green flag. We had practice get rained out 
So I was like, oh gosh, I don't want to be the one to cause like this big wreck. This is my second super speedway race. I have very little experience here. Um, so I think there's just kind of like uncertainty, but I never have fear for like my own safety or anything like that. I, I heard like this quote and it's, if you're ever, if you're ever scared in a race car, then you shouldn't be in it. And that's when you should retire. Um, so I've never had like the sense of fear, but it's more like a little bit more cautiousness and okay, like, let's not mess up here or anything like that. Your first time on Talladega was when they waved the green flag. Oh, yeah. You didn't get to touch that no. track at all. No, not at all. <laughs> How is that? What's going on in your head whenever you fire up that engine and you're just like, okay, here we go. Honestly, I feel like I had very little time to process anything. As soon as the engine came on, I was like, all I know is we're going to go flat out here. Don't lift. And that's <laughs> all I was going with. I was like, just don't lift. <laughs> That's so cool. It, it takes somebody special to be able to, to do that and to be like, okay, this is uncomfortable. I trust my own experience. I assume that, that that's where some of that comes from, but still in that kind of atmosphere on that course, which is known for big wrecks to just be able to be like, okay, let's go. That's awesome. I applaud that. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. However, one thing I do want to question is because you said that this is not fun. And yeah. if you're having fun, then you shouldn't be in a NASCAR. You must enjoy this. I do enjoy it. I think it's more after the fact, but directly in a race, I feel like it's pretty rare where you're like, oh my gosh, this is so fun. Cause it's so, it's so competitive, so intense. Um, honestly, for the most part during races, it's pretty uncomfortable cause it's hot. Um, you're tired, you're mentally worn out, you're getting physically worn out. Um, so I feel like after the fact it's fun once, um, you know, you're done with the race and all that, but yeah, it was funny because during this dirt race was like the first time that I ever like really smiled like in a race. I was like right before the start, I was like, wait, this is really fun. So yeah, I think it's just the intensity and just like you're super focused where I feel like I don't have any emotions when I'm racing besides, okay, let's go. Like I could have my spotter screaming at me at the top of the spotter tower telling me I'm messing up and I suck and I like will brush it off. I'm like, okay, okay let's go. <laughs> like I feel like I'm just very, very like hyper focused where I don't really feel any other emotion besides you know, like, let's get after it. So you are navigating fairly uncharted territories. There have obviously been women in this series, but of your background coming into this, what is your fan base and how does that, does it impact you at all to stay motivated or focused on what you're doing? Yeah, I feel like I have a very diverse fan base, especially compared to a lot of NASCAR drivers, um, which is exciting. And I feel like, you know, being on so many different social media platforms has helped me with that. And that's the biggest reason why I love social media. Um, I know some drivers and people in the sport kind of look down upon it just because they're like a little, little fashion. But like, no, like lets you connect to your fans and lets you get new fans and um, reach a wider audience. Um, so for me, like if I look at my analytics, my fans are all over the place. And it's amazing. Like I have a merchandise store and it's like, okay, like this merch is going to Germany. This one's going to, you know, whatever country. So it's just like definitely like a very diverse fan base, which I think is exciting. And I'll have people um, from overseas, like watching NASCAR races, which I think is cool since I feel like it's dominantly um, an American watch sport. So yeah, I think I have a very wide fan base and it's exciting. And I feel like it's um, also very motivating. Yeah. And you're not the stereotypical middle-aged white dude yes. with new balance shoes on that drives NASCAR. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Changing it up a bit. Do you notice a younger fan base because of your social media presence connecting with you or what does that, what does that look like? Yeah, definitely. You know, I feel like the typical fan base in NASCAR is a little bit older. I feel like the younger generation um, hasn't really tapped into have too much of an interest in the sport. Um, but yeah, definitely, you know, with Triller, TikTok, Snapchat, I feel like those all have very young fan bases on them. Um, and I feel like I've been able to reach an audience and I've had so many younger people message me asking how to get into the sport, just even messaging me seeing that, oh, they watched my race or they are starting to like NASCAR. They only watch NASCAR because I'm in it. Um, so it's cool that I can kind of bring that younger fan base into the sport. Look at you. You're shaking it up. Yep. <laughs> is that intentional? Is that something you aspire to do is to be kind of a, um, a hurricane in this normally calm, it's not really a calm environment, but you, you're coming in and definitely stirring it up a bit. Yeah. I feel like NASCAR is a little bit, um, it's very cookie cutter, kind of copy and paste. I feel like all the drivers, um, kind of talk the same, look the same, do the same thing. Um, so for me, I've never been the type of person to feel like I, need to fit into a certain mold. If I'm not fitting into that mold, then who cares? I'm going to be my own person. Um, so it's kind of like intentional, but also not intentional in a way, just because I feel like I'm going to be my own person. I'm not trying to be different, but I'm just going to be me. I've seen some quotes from you that just say 
the car car doesn't care about gender the track doesn't care about gender a lot of a lot of it is off the track though like there's pr and there's there is the fan base and there's the stigma of nascar and nascar drivers and how how has i mean it, aside from just racing how how is being a female in this industry affected you and your career i feel like i don't see myself as any different but obviously people do see me as different um, and every weekend i'm kind of reminded of that um like even just like this past weekend they made a big deal that i was the only female starting and i was like oh well i, I didn't notice until you guys mentioned it like it's not really like i don't single myself out but um you know obviously people do but i think it's just I don't ever really like let that get to me. I think I'm just pretty focused on my own goals and I know what I'm there to do. And I know that I'm a driver just like everyone else. And I feel like as long as my team that I'm working with believes that too, um, then we're good to go. Do you think it adds a challenge to moving up in the ranks at all? Yeah, I definitely do think it adds a challenge. You know, I feel like every driver needs to earn respect, but I do feel like the females have to work a little bit harder for it. Um, I also feel like you kind of have a little bit more of a target on your back if you do wreck. Um, I'm not sure like guys wreck every weekend, but if a girl wrecks, then they're a terrible driver and they wreck because they're a girl. Um, so I do feel like it's a little bit hard to earn that respect and you just have that little bit of a target on your back at times. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're, despite that, you're doing it. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Way to take that on. That's something to be proud of. And I'm sure that's part of your your appeal from a younger generation because there's so many issues with or surrounding the diversity conversation and and um equality just in the society and and you're fighting the battle in the face of something where stock car racing has had some issues with uh with the diversity conversation recently and they're trying to to do more with that what do you see your role or do you feel like you have a role in that yeah, definitely. I think the biggest thing is representation. Um, seeing is believing. I feel like if you see somebody that looks like you doing something, then you feel like you can go do it. Um, so I think for me, like a big role is representation. That's also why I do like to use social media because I feel like you reach that audience and um, you get to get to that younger generation and really try to inspire them. It's so cool. We're going to be interviewing somebody in like 10 years and they'll be like, I saw Tony on a podcast and now I'm driving stock car because of her what is that moment going to be like for you when you're old and gray and you got a bunch of trophies and a bunch of cars hanging up that you're proud of? Um, when that happens, I feel like I did my job and I helped pave the way. So that'd be really cool. You're doing great things. That's awesome. Thank you. How many professional starts at your current level do you have in the ARCA level? Um, I think somebody just told me this past weekend that it's like 10. Um, but that, yeah, I think it's almost about 10 around there, maybe a little bit less. Um, but yeah, I've done two races with my current team. I think I did about five with my other team earlier this year. So you're still really fresh in this, in this environment and in this next phase of it. Yeah, it's definitely um, still new to me. I'm considered a rookie. I have those yellow stripes on the back of my car. Um, so yeah, it's all new to me. Is rookie in NASCAR, does that mean the same thing? Like it's just your first year or is it a certain amount of races you have to do or? Um, yeah, it's kind of a certain amount of races. Um, but for the most part, um, rookie, usually somebody that'd be there first year. So how long in theory, how long, how long does it take to get from ARCA to truck series? Um, I would like to spend one more year in ARCA and then make the move to the truck series. I think, um, about two years in each series is enough. You have your rookie year and then the second year it's like, okay, I know what I'm doing. Let's go. And is that kind of like your decision is that ownership's decision if they're willing to fill the car for you what is um it's a mix of things you know it's a mix of your decision do you feel ready to move up um it's also like do you have that financial backing to move up and then also if there is a seat that's open and if it's a good seat you know for me i think it's important to be in good equipment um that's one thing about racing if you're in bad equipment you could be the best driver but you're still not going to go win races um, so i think just finding the right team for you and the right um fit is really important in making that next step if I was ready to move up to trucks next year, but there wasn't a seat open for me that I felt like would be a good fit. Then I'm not going to go do that. I'm not going to put myself in a position um, to where these races aren't going to be um, helpful for me in my career. By a seat, you mean like an opening in the, in the circuit? Yeah. An opening for a team. Yeah. Okay. And so that would mean like you, there's a team there already. Yes. And you would just join as the driver. Correct. But what the boy you're saying is like, not necessarily every team is ready to go win races. So you got to be careful with who you, 
who you join. Exactly. And, you know, some people just want to be out there racing and getting that experience. But I feel like um, for me, if I can't show up and compete and go on races, I'm like, man, I, that's not fun for me. So um, yeah, definitely. I think I'm a little bit picky for my team, but I think that's kind of important having a long career. Yeah. Well, that's what, I mean, we talk about that a lot about intentionality and, and saying no to going up to the next level, because you know, it's not, Mm -hmm. you know, you're, you haven't put together that team intentionally that you believe in that believes in you. I think that's, that's really wise. And, and like, that's gotta be a hard decision knowing that you could, could go up, but maybe you shouldn't and being able to discern that. Yeah, no, exactly. I had an opportunity to go into treks this year, but I was like, am I really going to perform at the level I want to? It's like, no, probably not. Um, so I was like, like, let's hold that off. And, you know, really feel like I'm ready and feel confident. Like, I feel like if I don't feel confident going into a race and like, why do it? You're not going to perform well. That is so wise. So mature of you to have that, Thank you. <laughs> that sense. That's awesome. Thank you. So how do you evaluate that? Like at what moment? I know you're evaluating equipment, your own skills. There's a bunch that goes into that, but what are you really looking for? Um, yeah, I would say looking for results and seeing how I feel after races. Um, do I feel like I can go compete with the guys at the next level and be competitive? Um, and I feel like, you know, with my team right now, they would tell me to like, Hey, like you're not ready for this or yeah, you're ready for this. You should go try to find a ride. Um, so I think it's about like having people around you that are kind of like mentors and help guide you through your career. Cause there's so many different ways to go about it. Um, and it's easy to make, uh, a, it's easy to make a mistake in the step and go kind of like take a step forward, two steps back. So I just feel like it's important to kind of choose where you go wisely and choose your journey wisely. Yeah, that's so smart. Great wisdom. There's so much more wisdom in this than just driving cars and getting an ass car. There's beautiful tips out of here. I appreciate that. How do you, so can we go back? Because you said this all started with a go-kart day, just a fun day, you and your sister and your dad. Did your, was your dad a racer at any point in his life or was that really just a random event? So my dad has always loved motorsports, racing cars. Um, he has a degree in mechanical engineering and he had a go-kart when he was a kid, but his dad wasn't supportive at all whatsoever. His dad would drop him off with his go-kart at the track and be like, okay, bye, figure it out. Um, so my dad has always had a love for racing um, and is an engineer. Um, so it wasn't totally random. Um, but I definitely don't think it was something he thought we were going to stick with. It was more just for fun. He passed on the genetics though. Right? He knew it was in there. <laughs> <laughs> he knew what he was doing. <laughs> and how does your mom feel about all this? Cause there's gotta be some anxiety associated with raising a bunch of speed demons. Yeah. I was too young to really know how she felt about it at first, but now I know she's like super supportive. She's my biggest fan. Um, I think my mom watches more races than all of us. <laughs> she's watching like every single type of race. She's super into it now. She'll watch Formula One, IndyCar, NASCAR. She'll be texting me every week. I'm like, Hey, did you see this on the race? I'm like, no mom. Like I'm not watching. Like I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. She's bought in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's she, I understand your mom is, is from Lebanon. Yes. Correct. How has that had any effect on, I mean, even from childhood and is there, is there any, you know, I, I don't want to get political, but yeah. I, I know like that is a country where women are not really allowed to mm-hmm. thrive, like, like, you know, have a, a racing career. Is yeah. there, has there been any tension, uh, with that piece to the puzzle? Um, I would say because of that, my mom has been more supportive. I think she's always been, um, she's always wanted me and my sister to have opportunities that she didn't get to have. Um, so if we have an opportunity that, you know, she wasn't able to have, then she's fully supportive of it. And she wants us um, to blossom and grow and excel as much as we can. Um, so I kind of feel like it kind of did the opposite. She was like, I want my daughters to have opportunities that I didn't get to have. That's got to be easier said than done, right? Because there's a lot of and we don't have to get into psychoanalyzing your mom, but there's got to be some paradigm shifts that are in place and a lot of fear for her to step out of those roles and pass that on to you, I would assume, right? Yeah, I know she's funny. She's definitely likes kind of like stay at home and I try to push her out of her boundaries sometimes. Um, I took her over the winter across the country for her first time. We did like a road trip from California to North Carolina. So I'm kind of pushing my mom at the same time. You know, she pushes me and my sister to grow and we try to push her out of her shell too. as supportive as your dad's been and and now your mom, uh, what, what advice would you give to parents? And I know we asked, uh, we had an Olympic diver on a while ago and I asked her this too, at this level, you have to have some support from your parents. So 
for the parents out there who are listening, what advice would you give them from some lessons you've learned from your parents about how, like, how do you support your kid in such a way that they get to this elite level at what they're passionate about? Um, I would say don't try to live through your kid. Like let your kid choose what they're passionate about and what they want to go for. Um, because if they aren't fully passionate about it, they're not going to stick to it. Um, so I think it's just really just like listening to your kid and, you know, my, I'm not doing anything that my parents used to do, but they never pushed me in that direction. Like, okay, you want to do something that's, we have totally no idea what this world is, but go for it. Like if that's what you're passionate about. Um, so I think it's just really listen to your kid and see what they're passionate about and, um, don't try to force what you like on them. It looked like there was some hesitation with that answer. Well, I don't want to offend anybody, but, <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> Forget that. You're here to shake things up and so are we. <laughs> don't force, don't live vicariously through your kids. <laughs> and on the other, on the other side of that, like not trying to push your kid, but, but how do you be supportive and not limit your kid in what they're passionate about? Cause I think that's, that probably is just as true of a story as, as parents that are trying to live through their kid is as parents saying, no, that's not what I know. And so I'm not going to support it or even, you know, worst case scenario, I'm not even going to allow you to do that thing. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's pretty obvious when a kid is passionate. Like for me, like I told my dad, I was like, I want to be a race car driver. So he knew like, okay, this is the first time that Tony's really spoken up about like what she wants to do and what she wants to pursue. Um, so I feel like it's obvious when your kid's like really interested in something. And I think it's just important to have them try a bunch of different things to see what they like. I mean, I tried so many different things before go-karts. And then once I found go-karts, I dropped everything else. And I think that's when I was like, okay, like this clicked for her. Like, let's continue on this. So just allowing them to, to do their thing. Yeah, is really, exactly. I mean, is it, is it that simple? Yeah. <laughs> is that still true? Is, is racing your 24 hours a day, seven days a week, live, breathe, there's, do you have other hobbies that you use to maybe get away from this and clear your head a little bit? Um, it's funny. Cause I had a friend come out this past week and he's like, so what do you do for fun? And I was like, I go to the go-kart track. I'm like, I go with my <laughs> friends to the go-kart track. Um, so yeah, I mean, <laughs> I feel like I just live and breathe racing. I mean, if I'm not on my simulator, I'm not at training I'm like at the go-kart track with friends. Um, so yeah, I feel like I definitely live and breathe at 100%. <laughs> But with go-karts, you can let loose and have fun though. That's, oh, I guess, exactly. that's the difference. I love <laughs> being and banging on each other. And um, it just, there's no really big consequences in it. So it's definitely fun. Do you I just smoke your friends every time you go go-kart racing? Is it just um, like embarrassingly? Well, actually all my friends out here are in racing themselves. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, we're all just like race car drivers and we'll smoke all the newbies at the track. <laughs> <laughs> like the 15 year old kids are like, this isn't even fun. You guys yeah. are just burning laps on them. Exactly. <laughs> I got to learn. I got to learn the hard way. Yeah. So what does this look like in the short term for you? Because you said you're being very intentional with like waiting for a team, but there's still a lot of things you need to learn. Do you have some very strategic plots to move that forward? And what does that look like for you? Yeah. You know, I have short term goals. I feel like every single weekend or every single race, I have set goals for that particular race. You know, um, for me, like this past weekend at the dirt race, I feel like just finishing the race and getting that experience under my belt was a big goal just because I had no idea what to expect. Uh, but now for my next one, um, next weekend, I'm like, okay, I just got a top 10. My next goal would be a top five. Um, and I think it's important to kind of like, at least for me, sit down with my team and set those goals and make sure they're realistic because yeah, everybody wants to go win. And I mean, when people ask me like, oh yeah, like what's your goal? It's like, yeah, like let's go win. But I feel like that's also like, don't put your head in the clouds. It's like baby steps. Like let's be realistic and set goals. And I feel like you want to set goals that are, you know, you'll push yourself to get to them, but that are also realistic. Cause I feel like mentally it just helps you to like check off goals. It's like, okay, yes, I did that this weekend. I finished that goal. I accomplished this. Um, so I think it's about just setting different goals. Um, and I do that, you know, every single day, every single race. And I think it's important. So while you're setting those goals when you're sitting with your team, uh, cause you're right, it would be easy to set the, the head in the clouds. Like, Oh, we're going to try to win, but being more strategic with that, is that a, is that something that you just do or is your team putting input with that? Is your coach and your crew chief helping you with that? Or is that just you in a silo saying, here's what we're doing this week. Follow me. Um, I feel like it's kind of, you know, I feel like it's a team thing and, um, you know, yes, I'm the one that's in the race car, but at the end of the day, like my whole entire team is out of the racetrack. We're working on this together. Um, so I think it's important that our goals align with each other. Um, like my first race with this team, my team owner was like, okay, like, what's your goal? And you better not say it's to win. <laughs> He's like, don't 
at me right now. Like, you know, like, let's be real here. Let's set actual goals. I'm going to be legit with you. Be legit with me. Um, and we just had like a serious talk about like, like, okay, like what are our goals for this race? This is a really difficult track. Um, like a good goal would be to just finish. A lot of people just wreck out here. So um, I think it's important to have goals that align with your team. Um, I mean, you don't want to be working against each other. I understand you have been, have dabbled in some modeling as well. What, uh, how does that fit into the, the chaos that is a, a NASCAR schedule? Yeah, so it's funny because when I was a kid, I really wanted to do modeling. Um, and I had a friend tell me, you can't do modeling in racing. You have to choose one or the other. And I was like, no, nah, I'm going to show you. And this was when I was super young. I was probably like eight years old. Um, so it's funny because I remember I just wrote down when I was a kid, like this list of modeling agencies that I wanted to be with. And I did absolutely nothing to pursue it. I was like, I'm just going to focus on racing. Um, but I'm now with one of those agencies. So it's just weird kind of how it all fell into place. I didn't really focus on the modeling at all, but all just kind of fell into place with my racing. Um, so it's really cool. I mean, that's how we were able to have our new partnership with Free People's FP Movement Line. Um, I did a campaign for them and they're also on my race car this past weekend. Um, so I feel like it's never really been done. I don't think any other NASCAR driver um, is with a modeling agency or kind of does a crossover with things. Um, but yeah, it's kind of different. It's, you know, um, I feel like it's something new that we're bringing to the sport and bring to the table and we're able to reach different brands that haven't been in this sport. I mean, we had a beauty brand on board and that's never been done before in NASCAR. Um, so yeah, I think it's just all part of me just not really fitting in and not really trying to be in a certain mold. And I think it's just working. You wrote that list when you were eight. Yeah, I was super young. I was like, yeah, I'll be a race car driver. I want to be a model. And I wrote it down. I was like, dang, I'm with like this agency that I wrote down when I was eight. And I probably sent them in like little photos of myself. I'm like, who is this little girl? But <laughs> what? <laughs> don't have them. That, that for real though, that's, I mean, that's next level. Yeah. Like you were saying nine years old, I'm going to be in NASCAR. You're saying at eight years old, here's the modeling agency that I'm going to model for yeah. someday. It's I, that's incredible, yeah. incredible vision and, and clarity of, I, I'm, I'm blown away by that. Yeah, Do you have this ability to manifest in other areas in your life or is it just your career? Um, honestly, like I've written things down and I feel like they've happened. Um, so that's also like part of like my morning routine is writing down my goals. And I feel like it might not work out exactly when you want it to, but it all works out. I mean, I manifested Triller as a sponsor and I got them. So that was cool. That was just recent, right? Yeah, that was recent. That was um, about like last month. So yeah. Congrats. Thank you. So is that, I mean, as an eight-year-old, you're not talking about manifesting things or writing down goals for that sake. Like, is this just something intuitively you've had and that you've evolved over time? Explain that to me because it's something that I'm really intrigued with and we hear Oprah talk about it all the time, right? But people still don't put this into practice and it's hard to do as somebody who journals a lot. I know it's hard to do. How do you maintain that and what, is it, what does that practice look for you and how has it evolved? Yeah, you know, I feel like when I was a kid, I just like set my mind to things and I was like, I know I'm going to do this. And it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to try to do this. or I'm going to try to do things to help me do this. I was like, I know I'm going to do this. Um, and, you know, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do when I was a kid. I didn't know, you know, like the whole path and all like little details to it. But I was just like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make sure I do this. Um, and I think I just had no doubt in my mind. And that might have been uh, me just being a naive kid or something. But yeah, I think just don't doubt yourself and just put your mind to something. I feel like I just did that at a very young age um, and I stuck with it. Do you have any experiences where you did something like that, wrote it down, had it in your mind, had a goal and it didn't work out, like just flat out didn't work out? Because I feel like maybe that's where a lot of people get, get stumbled is, oh, well, I had this goal and I wrote it down and that, you know, it didn't work out. So I'm just going to not do that anymore manifesting is yeah. broken <laughs> yeah i mean but it, it, do you have an experience like that where it didn't work out and like what did that look like yeah so i feel like it's when you set certain timelines to things to where you'll probably be let down like for me i've written things down and it hasn't happened yet or it happened a lot later than i wanted it to and i look back and i'm like oh well like it still happened um so i feel like when you set like a timeline like oh like i'm gonna get this promotion next week Okay, well, it might not be next week, but manifest it and it'll be like in your future. So yeah, I've had things that I've manifested that I thought weren't going to happen. I was like, dang, it didn't happen. And then down the road, it happened. And then it's like, oh, cool. <laughs> uh, so I think it's just about like not setting timelines and um, just kind of letting life play out. Practically, where, where would one start? I mean, is it, is it really as simple as saying, 
I want this thing. I'm going to write it down. I mean, um, is it really that simple? I would say it's more like, it's not an I want. It's like, I am, I'm doing this. And you can't say I want this. It's like, I'm doing this. So like, I'm going to race in the cup series. Not I want to race in the cup series. And it's really like, you can't just write it. You really have to fully believe it and envision it and like live it. So there's more of a mindset behind it than just yes. a, a list of things. Yeah, definitely. I definitely think it's more of a mindset and the list kind of just helps you um, have like clarity to like what your mind should be on. That I am is that ownership piece. Yeah. It's that, it's that this is how I'm going to live my life. I am this person. Mm -hmm. How does this person live? Even if you're not that person yet, even if you're not a model yet or NASCAR driver yet, what, what would that look like if I were right? Exactly. Yeah. We've talked about like, who do I want to be as opposed to what do I want to do? Yes. It's a different, it's a, it's a subtle difference, but it is a powerful difference. Oh, for sure. Yes. I, like that. I am with, with Tony. It's just this new, we've already started your next YouTube channel. It's yeah. just, you're manifesting. That's a, that's a brand right there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's such a cool practice. And I don't think enough people, and you were saying you do a lot of mental and visual practicing for your specifically for driving, right? But this is for your career and your goals outside of it. It is related to driving, but it's who you're going to be outside of whenever you're in the car. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I set goals, you know, obviously racing is a big part of my life, but I have goals outside of that. And what I want to do, you know, beyond racing, I think it's important to have um, other side hustles and hobbies um, and to pursue, like, I feel like other passions are like what makes you, you. Um, so I feel like that's important to not just box yourself into one thing. Um, racing is definitely my top priority, but I think it's also good to like follow those other passions. So modeling racing, what else are you passionate about? Um, I definitely love like the makeup fashion stuff. I've always loved all that stuff when I was a kid. Um, another thing is like, I used to use like Huda Beauty all the time when I was a kid and watch her makeup videos. And then she was on my car this year. So I feel like sometimes just you manifest stuff without even realizing it. That is a crazy coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> how does, I mean, how does that connection even come about? Was that you reaching out and being like, Hey, I've been following you for all these years and it's just something that I really enjoy. So I want to put you on my car. Can yeah. We sponsor this. Yeah. We literally just reached out and I, was just hoping for a response. And I was like, you know, like, let's see. And they answered us. They're like, wait, we love this. Like, let's do it. Um, so yeah, it was definitely crazy. That's really how I reached out is I've always loved the brand. Um, I always thought Huda was very inspirational. Um, always loved her YouTube tutorials. So it's the reason why I reached out and it all worked out. I feel like that's not a typical sponsor for this environment. No, I think that was the first beauty brand in NASCAR. So, um, it was definitely cool. For sure. That is so cool. You're blazing so many different trails with this one avenue and being able to allow other things to play through it. Definitely. <laughs> so I, I'm curious with a, a fairly large fan base like you have, like what what's something maybe that your fan base doesn't know about you that, that you would want people to know? Um, I feel like it would depend like how long you've been following me for. I feel like I'm not around my sister as much and she's like a really big part of my life. Um, I have friends that like, don't even realize I have a twin sister. I'm like, wait, like, I feel like I always talk about her. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think my family is a big part of my life. I don't always get to show them on social media or they don't always like to be on my social media. Um, but they're a big part of my life. I'm definitely a family person. And I feel like they don't always, um, show kind of like more personal sides and it's more kind of like racing and what I'm doing. Um, uh, but yeah, my sister is like, I talk to her like every second of my life and my family is like really important to me. So I feel like that's kind of one thing that people don't always really get to see. Are they local with you or are they still in California? Um, they're still in California. So my sister went to college at Purdue in Indiana, um, but she moved back for her job. Um, so she's back at home and I'm the only one out here on the East Coast. I live in Indiana. Go Boilermaker. Shout out to your sister. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Along those lines of your fan base and stuff, you talk a lot about paving the way. What's something specifically within that realm that that you hope people can take from your career and your story? Yeah, I mean, I hope that, you know, I either, even if it's not for girls um, or somebody that wants to, you know, pursue motorsports, I hope that I can inspire them to do things that are just out of the norm in general. I feel like there's so many different things. Um, and even males that are things that are out of norms for males. Um, I just feel like stereotypes are just like stupid. And I hope people can realize that you don't have to stick to those stereotypes and don't be afraid to break them and not fit in. Like it's okay to not fit in. I think that's um, the biggest thing that I want to preach to everybody. 
I think that's a great message. We just, uh, one of our previous guests was a, a guy who was a ringmaster for Barnum and Bailey's circus. And then he has since started his own circus. And I think right when you came on, I was talking to Jerry about the circus. Yeah. It was this guy, Kevin. And, uh, he just, he has that same message. Like, don't be afraid to, to follow your dreams and, and not fit in. And they have a saying that says, live your circus dream. Yes. <laughs> I just think that's awesome. But, um, the same kind of thing, just, yeah, don't, don't be afraid to, to be you. I think it's a great message. So I, I hope that people can take that from watching you and, and, uh, as you continue to do other things. You said you have a dirt race coming up, correct? Next weekend, this weekend? Um, I think it's next weekend. Yeah, I think it's next weekend. I, I don't even know. You're just in different weekend. tracks all the yeah, time. I'm traveling. I'm looking right now. Is it? It's on September 5th. Is that next weekend? Yes. Not this coming, but the next. Okay. Yes, exactly. Yes. So what does your schedule look like? Because you are still driving in a couple of different types of series. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. What's that look like? So basically this coming weekend, I don't have a race, but typically I'll do kind of like smaller local races um, in between my bigger races, just to kind of like, you know, stay in the seat, stay sharp. Um, but this week definitely have like a lot of press, a lot of training. Um, since I'm not racing, I'll just be on my simulator and still putting in laps. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like what my schedule is just a lot of training, a lot of sim time, um, going to the shop to debrief the past race and kind of set goals for the next one. So you talked about some short-term goals. What uh, what can we expect in the future from Tony? Um, long-term racing goal, like my end goal is definitely the NASCAR Cup Series. Um, I definitely want to branch out in some other things aside from racing. I'm not exactly sure, but definitely like in the fashion space would be cool um, to partner and like have like a clothing line or something like that would be like a fashion goal for me. Um, but yeah, I feel like to have um, a business outside of racing that's something I'm passionate about is you know, like a long-term goal for me, um, but definitely cup series is my racing goal. And I don't want to just get there. I want to be able to be competitive and win races at that level. I have a feeling, uh, based on our conversation that we will see that happen. Yes. <laughs> Are you entrepreneurial like in spirit? Um, yes. And no, I, um, I feel like I always have like different ideas for like different businesses that I want to start like at some point in life. Um, but racing is definitely like my biggest focus. Um, but no, I definitely think it's important to have other businesses outside of racing. Um, I think it's just about finding that right fit. Moving forward, the race is coming up. Is there a centralized place where I don't have to know what series you're in, where I can see what, are, what events you're racing when do you have like your own personal website that outlays a schedule or where can I be more intentional with following Tony? And I want to buy some merch. How about this? We want to give some listeners some merch. I'm going to buy some merch. We're going to dis distribute it. Perfect. Um, uh, yeah, so all that's on my website. I have my merch store on there and I also have my schedule. Um, so it's like an easy way to see where I'm going to be racing up in the next coming weekends and easy way to get my merch. Heck yeah. Can't wait to get my, my Triller themed yes. Tony shirt. Heck yeah. <laughs> sport it. We need to do yeah. some sort of competition to win a, t a, a shirt for this yeah. episode. Beat Tony in a dirt race, you get a free shirt. Right. Go <laughs> <laughs> <So> far. <laughs> Too far? I don't know. Maybe maybe that won't work. Nobody's <laughs> nobody's winning that shirt. <laughs> Would you have it in your heart if we put you next to me, who has no no business being behind a car at that level? Would you just absolutely take it out on me and show me that I have no business being, or would you give me a little bit of grace and let me be competitive for like two or three laps? Um, you know, when I'm at the go-kart track, you know, there's like a mix of people. There's obviously like my racing friends that are in racing. Um, there's people that have never driven a go-kart before. Um, I try to be nicer to them, but also you got to show them the ropes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've experienced that on the, I, I used to be a, a fairly good snowboarder in my young years and, uh, you go up and, and we live in Colorado. So a lot of the pros ride at the, the resorts we were riding at. And so you, like, sometimes you'll just see people throwing ridiculous stuff in the park where everybody else is riding. Yeah. You're like, Oh, that that's gotta be somebody, you know, yeah. it, it has, does anyone ever know who you are when you go to the track or do you just, are, are people just like, man, this, this person is nuts on that go-kart. Yeah, um, I feel like it's pretty obvious that like I'm in racing. Um, also, I have like my custom helmet, so it's kind of flashy at the same time. So even before I drive, it's kind of obvious. Like, okay, <laughs> there's like a dolled up helmet, so. 
This lady has go-kart sponsors. She's the real deal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's rolling her own go-kart off the bed of a truck. Right. <laughs> uh, that's great. Tony, you're fantastic. And you're doing great things, not just for driving, but through the sponsorships, through the other like you're leveraging your platform for a lot of great things, including building a younger followership. Just, I don't know if you hear this enough, but people should be proud of you, should be excited about what you're doing. You should be proud. Your parents should be proud. You're doing great things. And we're very grateful to have you spend some time with us and to share your story a little bit. Thank you. I appreciate you guys talking with me and it was fun. Thank you. What's the easiest place for somebody to find you on the internet if somebody wanted to connect with you? Um, I am literally everywhere. I have trailer, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok are my big ones. Um, I have a Twitter and Facebook. I'm just not as into those, but I'm still on them. Um, I also have a YouTube channel. So I'm honestly like every single social media platform, if you type in my name, it'll probably pop up. Just Google it. Mm -hmm. Easiest way. All right. Yep. Sounds good. <laughs> Tony, thank you so much. Good luck in this few coming weeks and we'll be following you and we might be reaching out just saying congrats and keeping our thumb on you see how you're doing perfect thank you i appreciate it can't wait to see you in the nascar cup heck yeah yes Thank you my t-shirt <laughs> yes i got you <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks all right, tony. thanks tony